are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. The second half of Yankees baseball is underway, and as always, you got Sam and Steve here to talk it through. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Steve, wish we weren't recording off of a loss, but that's life. But, however, doing very, very well. The Yankees had a 7-3 and homestand to open the second half of the season. Three of four from, or excuse me, two of three to start off against Toronto, three of four from the Rays, and two of three against the Rockies. Dropped one on Monday night against the Minnesota Twins out in Minneapolis, starting a seven-game road trip. So seven and four to open the second half. Not many complaints for me. Of course, you want Paxton to be better. You don't. You want CC not to lay an egg out there. On Monday night, opening up against the Twins, who lead Major League Baseball in home runs, and they sure oh, yeah. put that—they sure put that on display Monday night. I mean, Garver, Polanco, Kepler. Kepler's got 25, just to mention a couple names, and it was home runs galore. And the Yankees just couldn't mount that comeback tonight. But nine-game lead over the Rays, ten up over the Red Sox. Not many complaints for me. No, like you said, good start to the second half here. Um, lost two, uh, lost two in a row here, but the Yankees still have the best winning percentage in the American League, second overall in Major League Baseball. Uh, as, as you said, two losses aren't ideal here, but we're talking about a team here that's winning more than they're losing, and seven and four to start the second half is is, a, is we'll take that all the time. The lead has increased. Uh, in the AL East here, and, and a big week coming up with the Twins and the Red Sox, but but plenty to talk about for the first week of the second half. Um, the first thing we have to start off is a thing that has gone viral um, with uh, with the help of, of John Boy here of Boone and his savages getting ejected uh, during the doubleheader, second inning, umpire making terrible calls, and uh, Hot Mike picked up Boone going on a all time sports rant for a player, coach, manager, whatever it is. Savages in the fucking box. Uh, I think you've turned a lot of heads here. I, both me and you have been big-time Boone supporters since the day he's hired. But I think that uh, that little rant here may have turned some Yankee fans around that uh, that said he's got no fire, that don't like Aaron Boone, that don't give him any credit here. Just an all-time performance by Boone getting ejected in that game. That was absolutely electric, as I'd say. And you mentioned John Boy. He has become a, a sensation across Yankees Twitter and really across all of baseball Twitter, if we're being honest. I mean, I remember following him when he had, you know, just a couple thousand followers. Now he's over 70,000 followers. My question is, how does he get this audio from all of these games? I mean, we, we've never seen this before on, on Twitter. I, I really wonder how he gets this audio and that we got every word of the Boone rant so clearly, and that even Boone came out and said the day after in his pregame uh, press conference for his the Friday opener against the Rockies, he said the these hot mics on the field shouldn't be that way. I wonder how he gets this audio. Yeah, he did talk about it. He gave a bunch of interviews the past week. Uh, I, I didn't catch the exact reasoning here, but he says that, you know uh, there is a way that he's able to do it and figure it out. And then plus the Blake breakdowns with some great 
great lip reading for it all. But either way, it's great for baseball and it's great for uh, for us here because it is a joy to get to watch those and to see Boone just just go off here. Uh, kind of really gave the Yankees a, not that they needed it, but an additional rallying call for the rest of this season here. Um, the amount of merchandise of, of you know fucking savages that are going to be sent through uh, through everybody if the Yankees go on and win a World Series here. Um, this this will be a highlight for 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 decades. Um, my my favorite part of the of the video is a uh, is Brett Gardner bashing his bat against the top of the clubhouse, and you just see Aaron Hicks just giving this big smirk on his face because he hears Boone going off right before he get ejected, and then you see Brett Gardner just going to town with his bat here because he knows he can't throw his helmet anymore after getting smashed in the face, and Aaron Hicks just had this biggest smirk on his face. That that was the best part for for me is just because. He knew like everything was going on. It was a doubleheader, second second inning of the game. It was just an oh shit, we're going to be in for a hell of a game here. <laughs> yeah, that really was funny. And he was just jacking his bat up on the dugout. <laughs> and it made me think back to Cleveland last month. Like, hey, you got to do something else if you're frustrated. You can't throw your helmet because that went back at you and busted your lip and you had to get six or eight stitches or whatever you had to get. And the fire that Boone showed for his players, specifically Aaron Judge. And Steve, I don't know about you, but as a Yankees fan, I'm getting really freaking fed up Brutal. with pitches Brutal. being called at the shins of Aaron Judge. I mean, do they not understand he's six foot seven? And you mentioned John Boy, of course, with the video. He also put out a tweet on Friday night during the opener against the Rockies where Judge had another pitch called for strike three, two balls below his knees. He even rolled his pants. Yeah, up. put him up higher. I mean, you gotta he do put him up the, higher. The ump clearly does no idea what he's doing, and he can't call the strike, so he's got to help him out some way. And Aaron Boone, just from last year, he's took a complete 180. I mean, last season, he would have let that ump run wild with that strike zone all game without – getting fired up. He'd have just been staying in the dugout. And that was a criticism even I had from him last year that he maybe wasn't standing up for his players all the time. But like I said, a total 180 from Aaron Judd, or excuse me, Aaron Boone. And that rant w- was really something. And, and it made its rounds through the baseball world. I mean, almost oh, 40,000 Everybody tweets. saw that. Uh, and it's true. I and mean, then, like, Judge is, uh, is oh someone goodness. that's uh, Judge is one that it won't complain. He does a couple comments to the umps, kind of under his breath here, but he knows he can't can't argue something like that in the second yeah. second inning of a game. So Boone stuck up for him. But we saw. I, I remember. Uh, I got. I should have tried to look for it. But Aaron Judge got called out on the most strike three calls that were balls in all of baseball last year. And it's happening again this year. I mean, that's that's an easy thing that will like that you can just watch if you watch the Yankee games. So many balls low in the zone get called strikes on Judge, and it's Boone finally had enough of it. Um, even though that wasn't the the, you know, the 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 strike that set him off here, but it's happening almost on a daily occurrence here for with Aaron Judge. So uh, we'll keep an eye on see how that goes the rest of the year, and and see if Judge ever does lose a lose a lose a cannon here, or if the Umps just finally adjust to it. At what at what point does Major League Baseball got to send a note out and be like, hey, you know, this is these are bad calls. You know, like in the in the Should NBA. I- they do like the. I uh, was thinking that the. I was thinking that the Yankees should approach Major League Baseball and the umpires union about this because it's getting ridiculous. It's happened back to the 2017 postseason. Judge went through a stretch where he was four for twenty with like fourteen or fifteen strikeouts, 
And no wonder why he had 14 or 15 strikeouts. There was at least one pitch per at-bat getting called at his freaking shins. I mean, I I was mentioning last week to a buddy over text, maybe the Yankees should say something to Major League Baseball or the umpires union or both for that matter. Because like like you and I are saying, this is getting totally out of hand. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this is the easy case for why we need – you know, robo umps, which are, you know, being tested out in the Atlantic League. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. But for now, the Yankees got to just keep grinding on and taking wins here. They, they took two or three from the Rockies in Yankee Stadium. And the old boys, the old Rockies did the work here. Uh, DJ LeMayu looked like he got a billion hits versus the Rockies. Mike Talkman uh, hitting home runs versus his old team. And then Adam Adovino just throwing wiffle balls here. Um, an ultimate showing of the Yankees beating up on the Rockies, kind of putting them into almost seller mode. Uh, as the trade deadline ap- approaches here, and then doing it with their old players, which I'm sure had some extra icing on the cake for for all three of them. Yeah, you're right. It definitely did have some extra icing on the cake. And the Rockies, you know, they let they let Lemayhew go. They let Adovino go. They, the Yankees got Talkman for basically nothing. I believe it was cash considerations. Yeah, one one uh, r- uh, righty reliever um, still in the minors. Yeah, I again, and I'm sure the righty reliever in the minors. When you look at what Talkman has done for the Yankees as of late, I mean, hitting over 500 since he was called up for the London series. I mean, just an absurd showing by him in the last month or so. Three or four tonight, hit a homer on Sunday against the Rockies. Uh, but yeah, it was the old Rockies and. You look at a team like the Rockies, and the report did come out today that they are likely going to be in sell mode. They signed Daniel Murphy over a guy like DJ LeMahieu, and when you look at the two of those players, I mean, LeMahieu's an MVP candidate in the AL. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP, but he certainly is. You you could make a decent case for him. Mike Trout, I, I think, is the obvious choice. And then you look at Adam Adovino, statistically one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball this year. You know, his ERA is below two, uh, it's, and he throws that wiffle ball. Hitters look like they don't even have a chance. I, I mean, it just it moves, it looks level, and then it goes up, and then it goes down. I mean, I've really never seen anything like it, and... You know, they are Rockies East, and the only former Rocky not doing anything for the Yankees this year is Troy Tulowitzki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's – you look at who the Yankees got from the Rockies this offseason and those three guys um, – or, yeah, and those three guys, it's crazy how big of a role they've played for him this year. And Talkman really has come on as of late while – DJ LeMahieu was starting in the All-Star game, and Adam Adovino probably should have been there. Uh, but really, it, it was kind of cool to see the Rockies, at least from a Yankees fan perspective, come in this weekend. And, you know, all the papers that I was reading, you know, NJ.com, Newsday, The Post, I mean, they were all headlining with, you know, Rockies castoffs propelling Yankees to victories. Yeah, it's great to see. And then you mentioned the Daniel Murphy. So Daniel Murphy signed uh, a two-year deal for $24 million with that second year being a mutual option. So let's just say they, they both agree to that option. That's an identical deal to the Yankees got DJ LeMayhew for. 
Um, and right now on Baseball Reference, Daniel Murphy has a 0.0 war. So he's completely kind of useless there. Um, and DJ LeMayhu before tonight's game had a 4.3 war uh, on Baseball Reference here. So that's a four four win game difference there. You know, a little over four there. Rockies are five games out of the wild card right now. And they're looking to be sellers. They're, they're five games under um, 500 and five out of the wild card here. So you swap those two players for the exact same contract. Now you got the Rockies right there in the midst of it, and they're being buyers versus sellers here. So it's kind of, you know, take war for what you want here, but it kind of makes it an easy comparison between the two players if you, you know, assume they both have similar years. And you got the Yankees, you know, nine games up on the lead here. You flop, you know, Murphy in there. You got a, a four game lead. And then you got LeMayu bringing the Rockies close to the second wild card instead of being sellers. So it's kind of, you know, you know, uh, uh, a big a big loss there for the Rockies here. Then you mentioned Talkman, as you said, batting over 500 since coming back um, for the call-up. A call-up, which I will admit I, I didn't agree with. I thought we should get Clint back up here. Um, Talkman was really struggling um, when he got sent down there. I didn't see him to be that that useful, and he's proven me wrong because the guy's he's hitting line drive home runs. He's playing great defense, which we know was kind of one of the main reasons that he was being called up, and he's swinging the bat. He's really, really swinging the bat well here. Um, he's raised his average. Um, he was only batting 208 at the end of, of um, at the end of June. He's got that all the way up to over 250 now after today's game. So he's doing the work. He's putting the work in there, and uh, his interview has been great too. He said, uh, you know, kind of the the grind of not being able to play every day, but he's been able to mentally focus for it all. And now with Brett Gardner kind of dealing with a very slight knee issue, the Yankees are able to take their time here and you know ride the hot hand in Talkman. Now, Steve, you mentioned that they're taking their time. Gardner with the slight knee issue. Uh, he sat for a second straight day on Monday, the opener against the Twins. I think the Yankees are taking their time for maybe a little bit of a different reason. Uh, maybe showcasing Talkman. I mean, he's 28 years old. Interesting. I'm, I'm not sure how much of an appeal he would have on the trade market, say, for a Marcus Stroman or Madison Bumgarner. But this guy's really hitting. You mentioned his defense. That was a huge reason why the Yankees acquired him in the first place. Uh, Brett Gardner, as we've gone into a little bit here on the podcast this season, him his days in, as an everyday outfielder maybe aren't there anymore. Now, I know he's been scorching hot the last month, but again – those days as a starting outfielder may not be there. Maybe the Yankees thought he was going to wear out a little bit this season. He batted 220 in the second half of last season. So the Yankees are definitely taking their time. And like I said, I wonder if they're taking it for a different reason. But again, Talkman is 28 years old. Uh, he went to college. He was in the minors for a long time. I'm not sure how much of an appeal he'd have on the trade market, but it's definitely worth thinking of yeah even if it's not for him it makes other players like like the Clint Frazier you know the aforementioned Clint Frazier of saying you know well we can easily get rid of Clint here after the Yankees have kind of looks like they may have been pushing for trade same if you have Talkman because he is under control he's 28 years old but he's under control for for quite some time um, and then kind of one of the, the, the crazy things with Talkman is as a lefty he's batting 450 this year and that's kind of what is really going to help out with Brett Gardner if the two of them kind of become even though they're both lefties, the two of them become a little platoon action here because because versus left-handed starter uh, pitching here, Brett Garner is a 200 player. He, you know he has not done well versus versus lefties. Um, he's literally batting 200 with a 250 on base percentage. We're talking versus lefties. 
is putting the ball in play and he's putting the ball at a great pace, you know, about you know, about four fifty here. So even when Breck does come back, I think we're gonna start to see Talkman playing a lot more versus lefties um, while we wait for other injuries here. Sticking with the outfield and the injuries, uh, Boone kind of gave us some updates. Uh, one good and one bad. Cameron Mabrin is going to be back rehabbing uh, this week starting uh, on Tuesday here. But on the opposite side is uh, John Carlos Stanton, kind of no movement, very slow progress. Um, not ideal here for the Yankees' big slugger about a timeline of when we thought, you know, I think we both kind of were hoping for by the end of this month. But but we're here. It's you know We're in the final week of July. And he's not even doing baseball activities yet. It's going to be an issue to see if and when we see Stanton back. Yeah, Aaron Boone went on Mike's own with Mike Francis on WFAN last Wednesday and mentioned Stanton, as you said, Steve, not doing baseball activities yet. You know, we're a month after his injury, and that's got to be very, very alarming. Excuse me, as I think I'm going to – thought I was going to sneeze for a second there. Uh <laughs> Great, great anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no baseball activities for not, now we're a month after the injury and maybe wasn't expecting him to start rehabbing then, but I definitely expected baseball activities up. <laughs> there it is. Bless you. <laughs> Excuse me. I definitely expected baseball activities, you know, a month after his injury, you know, sliding into third base. But we're not to that point yet, and we're recording this on July 22nd. So it's got at least September, another month, in it, right? Another September? month to get ready. September, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. that we'll see him in a major league game. If that, I mean, I'm kind of in wait and see mode right here. He missed eight or nine weeks with that bicep injury. Um, again, it's I'm in wait and see mode with Stanton here. It's a lost season. For him, but if he comes back and he pushes the Yankees over the top to win the division, it's likely that they're going to win the division even without him. But if he contributes a few home runs and Yankees earn their contracts in October, so if he if he comes back and has a strong October, all is going to be forgotten here. But when he comes back, he's going to have a lot to prove and. He's lucky other guys have stepped up in his absence, such as Cameron Maben for a little bit there, Mike Talkman now. Uh, Brett Gardner has even been scorching over the last month, as I said. So he's lucky that, and of course, the Yankees got Encarnacion, who's been much better in the second half of the season. Uh, he's lucky that the team has produced without him, because if that third outfield spot slash DH was a crapshoot, He'd be getting a lot more flack than he maybe already is from some fans. Yeah, and then with Cameron Maven coming back, Maven was playing great for the Yankees this season here. So now it kind of leads us into an, the awkward talk of Talkman or Maven. You know, when he comes back, if, if Maven's fully healthy here, what do you what do you do there? Do you you know you risk losing Maven? Maybe you look at maybe he's a guy that you know could be on a on a trade market here in the next week or so if he proves to be healthy. If you're comfortable going with Talkman, but I think. The way Maven was playing, he was your platoon guy with Gardner, you know, with the righty-lefty matchups here. So it'll be interesting to see what the here. It'd be, it'd be tough for Talkman to be playing so well um, and then have Maven come back and take his spot and with Talkman just because he has the options go down to AAA. I think that's a plausible scenario. So even with all the injuries, the Yankees do have a cluster in the outfield um, of guys who have been playing well of late and, and not enough spots, you know. Does this knee injury linger for Brett Gardner a little longer that he jumps on the 10-day IL? 
just in time for Cameron Maben to come back, and then you let Maben and Talkman play it out for 10 days, and whoever's hotter in those 10 days is the guy you roll with the rest of the season. Uh, so in- some interesting decisions are going to be need to be made when, you know, forget about staying at this point, about what just when, when Maben gets ready and healthy to come back on the, on the roster. Yeah, it's going to be another roster crunch, just like we had a month ago when Stanton was coming back and the decision was Maben being DFA'd, which really wasn't going to happen, or sending another reliever down. But it's going to be very interesting. Maben is rehabbing again Tuesday. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do in this roster crunch. I'm not so sure that they'd have a 10-day duke it out process between Maben and Talkman, but hey, who knows? And with this Gardner injury lingering, if they put him on the 10-day IL, it maybe wouldn't be the end of the world. I mean, Gardner's in his mid-30s right now, so the the need to rush him back is, is not urgent. So maybe they could roll with Talkman and Maben for 10 days. Uh, we'll see, but... It always seems to work itself out for the Yankees outfield, and, and that's not a good thing because there's always just means that there's another injury. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see what goes on here because Cameron Maben did provide such a huge boost to the team and as a cheerleader. So the Yankees got some some figuring out to do in the next week or so, depending on how Maben's rehabbing goes. Uh, someone who is not rehabbing and hopefully is not dealing with an injury but is struggling mightily is our boy Gary Sanchez. Um Came out flying this year, hitting balls left and right, you know, stepping up defensively behind the plate. But the, the past month, Gary has been struggling, Sam. It's been the month of July. He has six hits. July is almost over, and he's only got six hits. You know, there are times where, you know, DJ LeMay has got six hits probably since we started recording this episode. Um, so Gary <laughs> Sanchez is, is struggling um, big time uh, at the plate. Yes, Steve. He's seven for his last 63. That equates to batting 111. To me, it looks like he's just trying to do too much. And he got a little bad babip luck tonight. I, I hate that stat, babip. Uh, batting average balls put in play. When he lined out to left yeah, field, good, good shot, first right second. yeah, it was a good shot. But again, 111 over, over his last 63 at-bats. Looking to do too much up there at the plate. And he left seven runners on base tonight, which just can't happen. The Yankees, 19 as a team. Sanchez obviously leaving seven of them out on base. But some of these fans are just ridiculous, I see on Twitter. They're just saying... Gary haters will never go away. Start Romine, yada, yada, yada. It's 63 at-bats. Most hitters, you know, have close to 600 plate appearances in a single season. That's 10% of your at-bats. Uh, little Sammy math right there. Uh, and I believe I believe I got it right, you know. <laughs> I, I won't double-check for you. I'll let it we'll see. <laughs> uh, but obviously, being a catcher, I'll have less. So let's say he has 530 or 540 plate appearances. I mean, 63 at-bats. You know, really, are you going to judge just off of that? I mean, some of the fans calling to play Romine and dump Gary Sanchez for a bad month. I mean, get a grip here, people. You sound ridiculous. And Gary Sanchez has 24 home runs. He's still got an OPS uh, over 800 
ending play on Monday, July 22nd. Um, really, he's going to turn this around. It's concerning. It's not I think been a good turn- month at all. I mean, he was at the end of at the end of June. He was batting two sixty one, and we were all happy with that. Like Gary Sanchez hitting two sixty, hitting forty home runs is something that we were all going to love and, and, and you know take to the bank for a decade. Here, we would love to see that. Now, if just in that month, you know, going from two sixty now down to two thirty three, it's a big concern. And then my my additional concern is that he's been taking that struggles with him behind the plate. He had another bad. Uh, catcher's interference call on Monday with the bases loaded, and that's his uh, his second in three games, and I think he leads the league in catcher's interferences um, this year. And so it's a uh, Gary's a guy; he's a streaky hitter. We've known that since he came up. Um, you got to kind of roll with the punches here, and you hope you know. The good news is, by the time we record next week, it'll be August, and hopefully August Gary shows up. Because if August Gary doesn't show up, then this you know this sixty three at-bat is going to be turned into 120 at-bats, and we're looking at a real problem. Yeah, I I, I am concerned about this. But, again, 63 at-bats. We'll see if August Gary shows up. Heck, we'll see if he even turns it around on this road trip. He loves hitting in Fenway Park. The True. Yankees go there for four games at the end of this week. So I'll be interested to see if he can turn it around right now. I mean... Gary, what are we waiting for? I think I would not be surprised to see him flip the switch, have five homers in seven games, uh, and all be well in the world again. But if the Yankees want to win the World Series this year, they're going to need April through June Gary back because July has not been pretty. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. Um, Luke Voigt's face is still pretty, even though he got smoked with a 91-mile-an-hour fastball. Just want to touch on this real quick. Um, I, I think it's pretty obvious how much of a – of a man's man, Luke Voigt is, but to just eat a 91 mile an hour fastball and not miss a game, it, it, it was was wild, but it also just adds to the allure that is, you know, Luke Voigt. <laughs> Steve, I just got breaking news uh, on my phone. Greg Bird is out another six weeks <laughs> just watching Luke Voigt getting grilled. <laughs> Uh, with that 91-mile-an-hour fastball. <laughs> That's good. I mean, this was just absurd. I was down the shore, and it was 115 degrees on Saturday. Uh, so we came back to the house and went in to watch the Yankee game, and the guy came out of the house, and he said, yo, Voigt just got drilled in the face. I'm like, damn, I mean. Same. I was like, oh, no. I was, I was trying to load Twitter to see, like, if he got, like, you know, carted off because I had I – had, Stanton flashbacks to when that happened, but you know this one grazed him a little differently, and he just ate it and walked to first base. I mean, it was absurd, and it was nine nothing at the time of this. He stayed in the game. He ended up scoring a run a couple batters later. So the Yankees took him out. Obviously, the smart thing to do in a nine inning, uh, a nine nothing game, ended up being nine five after Chinaka gave up a nine uh, five spot in the next inning. Anyway. I was just hoping it wasn't infected. It looks like, it looked like it just grazed the mouth, like you said. It looked like it got a lot of skin, so you know, swelling would be maybe an issue. I, I or an infection. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but <laughs> no? I, I can imagine it was Sammy a little MD. Bit, <laughs> I can imagine it was a little bit swollen, but he wore a protective face mask on Sunday. Uh, he. Like I said, I saw him in the lineup Sunday. I'm like, geez, I mean, this guy is one tough motherfucker. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's the only way to put it. But he, he was wearing the mask Sunday, and then he lost it on Monday, you know, 48 or so hours after he got hit with the pitch. And what does he do? He goes deep to right field and target field. Not an easy feat for hitters to do. Opposite field home run, his 19th of the season. But this guy just embodies toughness. And we saw it on Saturday when he took the pitch off the mouth and went to first base. Like I said, ended up scoring on a couple batters later. Uh, I love this guy. I love how he has the open jersey. I love how he has the chest hair flowing. I mean, he's Luke Voigt. He's Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt. Uh, You know, we're approaching the one-year anniversary of the Yankees acquiring Luke Voigt. They acquired him on last July 29th for Jason Shreve and Giovanni Gallegos. And just we could reflect on that a little bit. That trade was meant to open up a 40-man roster spot for the Yankees to do something else. And get some of that international bonus money that Cashman loves. Yeah, and they did get that. And they found their starting first baseman as a result of that trade. And that really is just something else. It speaks wonders to Brian Cashman yet again. Another amazing trade that hopefully if the Yankees win the World Series in a couple months here, we look back to that trade and say, wow, just Luke Voigt, a guy who was a cast off in the Cardinal system. They moved him with guys ahead of him uh, and he helps the Yankees win a World Series. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on Luke Voigt to see if his lip turns purple anytime soon. But that, that, uh, that steel jaw looks like it was good to go. Um, Sam, to go to the other side of the Yankees roster here, let's talk a little bit about pitching. And I want to start off with um, another acquisition the Yankees made this offseason that hasn't gone totally according to plan, and, and that's James Paxton. Um, got lit up in Colorado on, on Sunday here. Three and a third innings, uh, four earned runs. Uh, I'm sorry, seven runs, four of them earned. Um, that bumped his ERA um, up to 4.20 in his 17 starts. He's only thrown 85 innings because he had said, had some time on the DL here. Um, overall, five and five. It was disappointing to see Paxton have a game like that because he was turning the corner. Um, even though the Yankees have lost the last four games Paxton started, the three previous were not Paxton's fault. Versus the Mets and then back-to-back versus the Rays, he went six innings giving up one run versus the Mets and then two runs each versus the Rays here. Six innings, two runs is fine. I'll take that every day and twice on Sunday. But this Sunday, Paxton kind of got lit up here. Some have been saying he just doesn't get up for the big games here, which is a good sign because the Yankees should have a bunch of big games, especially come October. But overall, I think most of uh, most of the fan base is a little disappointed in what we've gotten for Paxton in the Seattle trade so far. Yeah, it's not Sonny Gray level bad, but he hasn't lived up to the hype. I think it's pretty safe to say that. Yeah. I'm a little bit disappointed in, or not, I shouldn't say disappointed, a little bit upset. He was, before he went on the DL May 3rd, he was on a roll and he was pitching against the Twins that night. He had three scoreless innings and then he went on the DL. He missed about a month and then we got a lot of honesty from him of how his knee felt and the Yankees brought him back uh, just over a month later and he, he's been up and down. I mean, like, like you said, a lot, a lot of people saying, 
oh, he only gets up for the big games, but he's been pretty good as of late, you know. He had a great June months. before that last start, and one start will be the one that everyone focuses on, but he, he was really put together a, a solid June there. Yeah, he July. did. I don't even know what month it is anymore. Sorry, we're in July. <laughs> and then the, the recency bias is, you know, with this most recent start, everyone's saying he sucked. It's a disappointment. And he was, he was bad. He was, he was, you could tell he was bad. He, uh, he wasn't working. His fastball wasn't working. He was going more to the off-speed stuff. Um, you know, still struck out six in those three innings. So the Ks have been there. But when, he, when he's throwing the ball over the plate, it's getting hit harder in, in some games. Uh, than others. You just got to cross your fingers and hope you get the right packs and it looks like. Yeah, you're right about that. And I think he's going to be big for the Yankees down the stretch, making a start at Fenway, so. making a start at Fenway this weekend. Uh, the Yankees first trip to Fenway this year. That'll be it's a, it's pretty hard to believe. I mean, with the London series, though, that was Red Sox home games. But I think he's going to be the pitcher the Yankees paid for. In terms of the prospects they gave up uh, as we go on in the season, especially October. And just a reminder, the Yankees gave up their top prospect in Justice Sheffield. He was recently demoted from AAA to AA with an ERA of 6.87. So if you're worried about Justice Sheffield coming up and becoming a star... Doesn't look like that's happening just yet. He made his major league debut with the Yankees last season, but yeah, yeah, we'll clearly has Justin's but, uh, clearly hasn't panned out in the Seattle system yet. So that was the big fish the Yankees gave up for Paxton, and you know he he really is not looking good out there right now. Yeah, the 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 game versus Boston will be huge. Um, back in April, he went at eight innings. Two hits, 12 strikeouts versus the Red Sox. Um, and that was when we were like, oh, shit, the Yankees got themselves a stud. Um, that's kind of been the peak of his season all the way back in April here. So let's let's have him turn it around as July is ending and we move into August. Um, like you said, versus the Red Sox. So it'll be very interesting to see how he does versus the Red Sox um, in Fenway. It's going to be a hostile environment here. The Red Sox kind of have one of their last hopes. Um, but it'll be um, – Paxson needs to come up big for that game here and kind of just – Hope that Colorado is the toss-away game um, of the month and of the second half because um, he didn't look good. He didn't look like he was in the game that much, and uh, it, it showed with the results here. Um, and then, you know, CeCe Zabathia then struggled again on Monday too. So, Sam, that leads us kind of into the Yankees are definitely looking to make a deal so far as much as, as Jim Bowden of The Athletics said. He will guarantee the Yankees get a starter. He listed a bunch of names there, you know, the typical – you know, Bumgarner, uh, Stroman, Matthew Boyd, Trevor Bauer. So, Sam, in your mind, you're Brian Cashman. Who's the one guy that you're getting for the Yankees at the deadline this week? Marcus Stroman, for a couple of reasons. One, the guy is a competitor. I mean, I love how fired up he gets out there on the mound. Uh, I've always been – Marcus Stroman has been one of my personal favorites – uh, the last couple of years, uh, even with him being on a division rival, uh, I haven't got that sense of, you know, hating Marcus Stroman because he's such a good pitcher. I mean, I really like watching a pitch. He gets a ton of ground balls. That's his big thing. Secondly, he's got postseason experience, especially pitching on that injured knee back in 2015. Um, you know, John Gibbons always 
pitched him in big games, and he always lived up to the hype. Um, and thirdly, he's pitched in the American League East. He's pitched in Yankee Stadium. He's pitched in Fenway Park. Uh, he's pitched in what a lot say to be the toughest division to pitch in in all of baseball for the last decade or so. So as a guy who has experience in the American League East, has experience in the postseason, gets a lot of ground balls, Steve, he checks all of the boxes to me. And I don't have any doubt that the Blue Jays will trade with the Yankees or vice versa because, of course, they made the deal for J-Hap last season. So Marcus Stroman is head and shoulders the guy I want for the Yankees. Yeah, and it's hard to argue with that. He is. He's been. Uh, he's kind of. He's hinted. He's liking tweets about being traded to the Yankees. He's even hinted to the media that he would love to play kind of for New York. So it is interesting to see there. The, the cost is going to be high for for anybody on these lists here, even for rentals here. I think Brian Cashman is not going to trade for a rental, so I'm going to cross Bumgarner off the list here. Um, and I would love to have Stroman here for the Yankees. That's the way they move here. If I'm making the move, I'm going different. I'm going Trevor Bauer. I liked Bauer for for many years. Um, I wanted the Yankees to get him over the offseason here. I was willing to trade Miguel Andujar to get Trevor Bauer here. Both Bauer and Stroman uh, have one more year of arbitration. Bauer's going to cost a lot more. He's already making $13 million while Stroman's only making seven. Um, as you said, though, he kind of knocks a lot of boxes. Same as Stroman here. He's pitched in the postseason. Definitely kind of uh, you know a grinder out there willing to, to, to muck it up uh, on the internet too. I kind of just love what Bauer does. Um, he's an asshole and he knows it. And I think he would uh, he'd piss a lot of people off here in New York. He pissed a lot of Yankees fans off. And, um, but I'm willing to put that risk there and say that gets get Trevor Bauer here. But at the same time, as the Yankees are kind of trading, looking at partners here, the Indians are, are, are playing well. And they're only a few games back. You know, the, the Yankees lost to the Twins on Monday. But the, the Indians are right there kind of making a push here. So they might not be sellers here. So that could cross my number one target in Bauer completely off the list. And that would put me to my number two, who is Stroman here. Um, if I'm if I'm Cashman, I, you gotta you gotta have one of these guys by this weekend. Get the deal done with first. Um, don't kind of wait around here. Um, maybe you know you're playing chicken with all these teams to lower the prices. Maybe teams are they're holding on to kind of jump up the prices here. But much like the Yankees did kind of with Edwin Encarnacion, is when you find a deal, just make it. Doesn't matter what time of of year it is here. So I'm hoping you see Bauer or Stroman in pinstripes th- this weekend. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens here. And and uh, and with, with with as I said, as Jim Bowden said, he guarantees the Yankees get somebody. Um, I don't think he's going to say that and and you know be like a small Lance Lynn type guy who's actually pitched really well this season. But the Yankees are going to be looking to get a bigger guy here. So um, I'm happy with both of them. But it'll be interesting to see Cashman working the phones the next few games and to see how both these players do their next start and how their teams do, especially in Cleveland's aspect, how Cleveland does this week leading up to the deadline. Because if, you know, they pull a one and one for five in, in Cleveland here, they might say, fuck it and sell off. But we know the Blue Jays are selling definitely no matter what. Yeah, you mentioned Trevor Bauer. I don't think the Indians are going to sell. They're 17 yeah, they, games. They shouldn't, but, you know, you, you never know with Cleveland. <laughs> and the whole thing is they don't think Bauer's a part of their future. Uh, of course, he's got a little bit of a questionable history with the Internet stuff. Uh, what he wrote on the mound a couple years ago, I'm, I'm not going to go into that. Um, Definitely a controversial player that maybe 
given some of the Clint Frazier feedback we've seen, maybe it's someone the Yankees avoid because they're not the Yankee way. But again, I don't think Cleveland's going to sell. They're fifty-eight and forty-one. They're three only three games back of the Twins in the division. Steve, it seems like that number was 11 two weeks ago. It, 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 it uh, was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and they have a two-game lead on the first wild card spot. So I don't think the Indians are going to be sellers. Uh, and a report from Buster Olney last night uh, of ESPN saying that he has talked to some executives and he thinks there's going to be trade movement by Wednesday or Thursday. So... Yeah. There definitely is a chance we see a Stroman or Bumgarner or, or Mike Miner, who even the Yankees were linked to just today, in pinstripes by this weekend. So it's going to be very interesting. By the time we record next Monday, uh, there's definitely a chance. Uh, it'll be a day before the trade deadline, but the, there's definitely a chance the Yankees have a new starting pitcher or maybe even two for that matter, we've talked about a lot on this podcast, the innings limit for Domingo Herman. He's approaching 90 innings right now. Uh, and Luis Severino, you don't know when he's going to be back, if he's even going to be back. So I wouldn't and, be and surprised. we've seen CC struggle lately too. So there, there's there's opportunities. Yeah. Jay, Jay, we haven't talked about uh, Hap. You know, Hap has been Hap. So there, there's, there's opportunity to get better easily for two starters, like you said. Yeah, and you go back to 2017, the Yankees added two starters in Sonny Gray and Jaime Garcia. You go back to last year, they added Jay Happ and Lance Lynn, who who Lynn was kind of like that hybrid role for them. He came out of the bullpen at first, and then he replaced Sonny Gray in the rotation. So uh, the Yankees adding, you know, a top-notch starter who's available on the market and then another guy maybe a little bit below that like they have in each of the last two seasons certainly is not out of the question. Yeah, well, let's see what Cashman can do. Uh, one thing I want to – an interesting note that I've found here is uh, last month the Yankees hired Sam Brend of Driveline Baseball. And Driveline Baseball is kind of one of the, you know, the forward-thinking, you know, spin rate and all this crazy stuff that they do there. And one of the things that Trevor Bauer has been – pushing is you know working with these guys so he's definitely a client of theirs another name that's uh that's worked with driveline is matthew boyd of the tigers so keep an eye on him here you know the yankees uh, are it's very well noted are one of the most analytically driven teams in baseball always forward thinking with technology huge hire of hiring sam from driveline here and it's you know it's you gotta pay, pay attention to who their clients are and seeing bauer and boyd on this list um, has me thinking that the Yankees are going to talk about both of them. Um, like you said, Bauer might not be available. Does that turn their attention to, to Boyd, who's got a couple years uh, left on his contract as well? So we'll see what the Yankees do. Um, if there's any breaking news during the week, Sam or I will definitely put up an article on Gotham SN. And if it's a huge deal, we might have to do a little emergency pod here. But the the deadline's coming up here. And there's even though the Yankees have a huge lead and has the second-best record in baseball, there's always room to improve, so we'll, we'll pay attention to see what the Yankees do the next week or so. Yeah, we absolutely will, and like you said, we record every Monday, but but if the Yankees get Stroman or Bumgarner or even Bauer, for that matter, in the next week, uh, I think Steve and I may hop on and, and do a quick emergency pod because I expect the Yankees to make a huge move 
in the next week. I, I think this is their best year to win the World Series. Just with the makeup of this team, all they went through early in the season. Steve, before we start wrapping up here towards the end, previewing the rest of this twin series, and then four at Fenway this weekend against the Red Sox, are there any prospects to you in the Yankees organization that are untouchable? Hmm. I, I think uh, Esteban Floreal is touchable now. He's not progressed as the Yankees wanted him to. He was untouchable the past few years in deals. Uh, I think they would be open to moving him because they've gotten some other outfield prospects from their international signings and some for, through the draft here. So I think he's movable. I mean, D.V. Garcia, Garcia has been killing it. Um, so he would be the number one. He's the number one prospect for the Yankees now. He's taken over as their number one prospect and, and killing it there. But at the same time, you know, prospect hug all you want here. I don't. Is he untouchable? It depends on the player you're getting back here. He's definitely untouchable if we're talking about a rental player, and even some guys. You know, I don't know if I wouldn't give him up for Stroman. I don't think so. So at that point, he might have be untouchable as well too. Um, those are kind of like the, the two names that are would be kind of in the untouchable aspect of it. I think anybody that's in a starting lineup, like a, people still throw out Glaber Torres' name in trades, and and that. That infuriates me. Labor Torres is going nowhere. He's going to be a 10-time All-Star for the Yankees. Um, so I, I would say if they, they, there shouldn't be any untouchables depending on the player they get back here. Like there's, There should be no non-starters. But if we're talking most of the players we listed here, then uh, Gar- Garcia is someone that, I, that I'm not trading. And Clint Frazier, of course, is not considered a prospect right now. But oh, I'm sure would the you Yankees be- are pushing him. Would you be open to moving him though? Would that would that sit well with you? Yeah, I, I would. I'm still Team Clint. I would love to see him do stuff here with the Yankees. Um, I'm not moving him for Bumgarner. I'm not. I need at least a year control for a pitcher for him. If it's if it's you know, if Clint Frazier's the holdup of getting Marcus Stroman, then I'm, I love you, Clint. But you're going to Toronto, um, so I would definitely have him on the move um, if you're getting a controllable starter here. Because I still think Clint Frazier's going to hit 30 home runs uh, in, in in the majors very soon. Yeah, I really don't have any untouchables for uh, a guy who has another year of control left. Like you said, if it comes down to Clint or, or even Garcia for getting Stroman, I, I think the Yankees it's just big, have to big, make big that big deal. Package, but you know, we've seen the past couple of years these you know to get a, to get a starter and to get a top level starter, you're not getting anything cheap here. So you got to the old saying, got to give to get here. So I think people will be upset if the Yankees get a Stroman, because I think the package is going to be huge, but no one's going to be mad if we're at the Canyon of Heroes in, you know, late, you know, early November. Yeah, that, that that's my whole thing. I mean, it's World Series or bust, and they have to give up two top prospects. I mean, that's just going to be is what it is, and I've written about this a few times. I've mentioned it in my articles. Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, uh, are making essentially minimum wage right now. Your best opportunity is to win with them uh, when they are making this amount of money because we really have no clue in a couple of years how the Yankees are going to handle the luxury tax with all those players. So that's just something to keep in mind when talking about prospect tugging and if the Yankees should make a deal or not. If the deal presents itself for Marcus Stroman, I – just really, really want to see him in pinstripes by the end of this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll pay attention here. Deadline is uh, July 31st, and just a reminder, it's the only deadline. There is no um, 
uh, waiver deadline at the end of August like there has been for years past. So this is the way you got to get it done. It's going to put some fire under some teams, and, uh, and we'll see what happens here. Um, to start wrapping things up here, let's talk a little home run tracker. The Yankees playing the Twins. The Twins have 187 home runs this year. The record is getting broken, and I'm, the Yankees are falling behind here. So I keep updating the home run tracker here. I keep hoping the Twins keep falling back. But they, there's a lot, a lot of dingers out there. Um, 187 home runs, I said, for Minnesota. The Yankees have 168 home runs. So they're about 20 home runs behind right now. And the Yankees are on pace to get 274 home runs. So that would break a record. We can see almost four or five teams this year break the Yankees' record last year. So it might only last one season here. Juice balls for everybody. Right now you got the Twins, the, the Dodgers, the Brewers, and the Mariners all still ahead of the Yankees' uh, home runs this year. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on there. We'll keep an eye on the Yankees' track. And they might break their own record, but they still might not get... They're uh, the number one spot here. Farthest home run still belongs to Gary Sanchez. He's been struggling, but that boy hits bombs when he does connect. A 480-foot home run. I'm still waiting for the first 500-footer this year from the Yankees, so let's see that happen soon here. August is heating up. The ball's going to fly even more out of, out of Yankee Stadium. I'm still waiting. Aaron Judge has 11 home runs this year. All 11 are center field or opposite way to right field with a short porch here. I'm waiting for that mid-August game where Aaron Judge hits one like 550 and pulls the ball at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Gary Sanchez hasn't hit a home run since the last time we recorded. It's been two weeks, and we had the All-Star break in there too. But he's technically still leading the team with 24 home runs as a Yankee. But Edwin and his parrot have making several trips around the bases, and Edwin's got 29 home runs for the year, including a couple big ones um, the past week or so. He had a grand slam. He had two in one day the other day. So Edwin is starting to, uh, to pick it up after he's struggled since coming over for the trade here. Um, any big home runs that stick out over the, in the second half so far for you, Sam? Well, I would say the game Edwin hit one yeah, last yeah, Monday against the Rays. You know, put him up two runs it. in the eighth. But uh, the, the Travis Darnell game, I still can't believe that guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, all fucking five RBI. I'm trying to avoid that game today. <laughs> I've been talking. Uh, <laughs> but... I got to go with Encarnacion against uh, the Rockies on Friday. Down 2 nothing against a lousy pitcher and Kyle Freeland. Maybe shouldn't say lousy because he had a great year last year, but has really fallen off this year. Edwin hitting a grand slam to put him up 4-2. He's at 290 since the All-Star break, 11 for 38. Uh, he's racking up his RBIs. Yes, actually showed a graphic on Saturday that since 2012 – uh, he had 98 more RBIs than any other, than the next closest player in baseball, and of course he leads baseball in home runs and RBIs since the year of 2012. So it's pretty crazy numbers you know, that he's put up. Yeah, he, he's been one of my favorite players for a long time. Even when he took the baseball to the second deck in Yankee Stadium, roughly 6,000 times when he was with the Blue Jays. Uh, but it's great to have him as a Yankee now, and to see him produce is just a great, great thing. So that's my home run of the week, the Grand Slam against the Rockies. Steve, you mentioned the juice ball. Uh, since the last time we recorded, Masahiro Tanaka made a comment uh, at the All-Star Game about the baseball that is being used yep. this uh, this year. Uh, and when a guy like Justin Verlander comes out and, and says something, I was like, oh, you know, all the pitchers will say that. 
But Masahiro Tanaka, I mean, this guy's one of the most down-to-earth guys in all of baseball. You see him on his Twitter. I mean, he'll throw a complete game, three-hit shutout, uh, and complain that he didn't have his best stuff the next day. So when he comes out with a quote uh, that the laces are lower and that the ball is harder, it really makes me think about what's going on here in baseball this season. There's even a Twitter account, the Juice Ball Exposed, that I've been following. Uh, He picks his Juice Ball home run of the day. Last week, Chad Pinder of the A's hit one. It looked like a ball got all the way in on his hands. Looked like he hit it off the end of the bat, and that went 400-plus feet to right center field in one of the biggest pitcher's parks in all of baseball in Oakland. So, Seeing all these home runs and the quote that Masahiro Tanaka and Justin Verlander had, it's really making me think. And Rob Manfred just playing dumb with all this, really. It's getting to be really, really obvious. It is. And, yeah, there's there's some, you know, even, you know, the, the Darno hitting three home runs versus the Yankees here, you're kind of like, hey, what the hell's going on? But it's, you know, it's part of the game now until they change the balls back. So there's really nothing that people can do about it. But it, Tanaka's numbers are crazy. His splitter is very hittable. And then even, uh, you know, across the river here, Noah Syndergaard's slider is getting very hittable this year. And I, I tend to think it's kind of the same reasoning that Tanaka had is, you know, they're just not being able to get the same grip. So um, we'll see a lot of pitchers trying to change up the pitches they use throughout the year to kind of counteract this juice ball. Um, but it's leading to more home runs, and that's you know that's all baseball says they don't really want, but we know that's, that's what baseball wants. And we're going to expect a lot of home runs left. Two games versus the Twins and then four at Boston. Plenty of home runs going to happen between all three of those teams here. Uh, Herman going Tuesday and then Hap a Wednesday before they ship out to Boston for a big series that – could put the the Yankees completely out of reach for the Red Sox, or goes the other way, it can make this a division again. So very important week for the Yankees uh, going on here. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Boston. We got Tanaka, Paxton, Sabathia, Herman in that order. I like the way that rotation sets up for the Yankees, to be honest. Um, and I, we need to have good starts from all of our pitchers here. Big week for the Yankees and their starting staff here, because then they'll have... That Sunday off Monday, Monday could be the day that Cashman goes nuts with the deadline as uh, as the Yankees had the day off and haven't seen a good round of, you know, Tanaka Paxson, CC Herman versus the Red Sox could give him, you know, the inclination to push harder for a starter or even to not give up some of these prospects we mentioned for a starter. So huge week for the Yankees, uh, the players, and, and for Cashman um, to see what happens here. What are you looking for versus uh, finishing off with the Twins and then Boston? You know, it's going to be tough. Uh, I want a 5-1 and one rest of the week. Uh, you know, when these two in Minnesota take three or four in Boston, uh, the, the Rays are nine games back of the Yankees right now. The Red Sox are ten games back. But the big difference is the Rays only have two games left against the Yankees. The Red Sox have 11. So huge, huge as, difference. As I mentioned earlier with how the Indians have come back against the Twins, uh, now that deficit is three games. I really hope that doesn't happen with the Yankees. But again, the Red Sox, you know, a big win Monday night in Tampa. They put up a ton of runs uh, early in the game. So I hope those bats cool off uh, for the Yankees series. But 
again, the, the Red Sox have a big opportunity in front of them. They're playing for their season this week, uh, whether they're going to buy or sell. I really don't know who they would sell personally. I don't know if they'd, you know, Rick Porcello and his over five ERA. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think that sounds appealing to teams. Mitch Moreland hasn't played since June. He's got another year left at like six and a half million. So uh, the Red Sox are talking about selling. Uh, but but again, I don't really know who they'd sell. Yeah, so we'll have to see there. Then even from a buying standpoint, I, I, Evaldi came back on Monday. But the, the, if the Red Sox want to be contenders, they need more bullpen help. They might even look for a starter. And they do not have the plethora of prospects that the Yankees have too. So they're going to be at a disadvantage here come the deadline. So big, big four games for everyone. Would love to see a 5-1. and one. I'll take it, Sam. 5-1. and one. Finish these off. Herman's got two starts this week, so let's get Herman rolling. He's been pitching well since coming back from the from the IL. Um, and then Sunday night baseball, Herman Sale, who thought, you know, literally the Yankees' two aces at this point this season. Uh, not what you would have expected from either one of them. You would have expected kind of both their – their records in ERA and, and seasons be flipped with Sale struggling, especially at home at Fenway, finally getting his first win in over a year at Fenway in the regular season. But but good stuff all around. And then, you know, it's big time because the Yankees are the Yankees are always on ESPN or, you know, always on the, the national broadcast here. But we got every single game the next week is going to be nationally broadcasted. MLB Network Tuesday, ESPN Wednesday, two more than an MLB Network, and then FS1 ESPN and the first Sunday night baseball for the Yankees this season, I believe. So it'll be, it'll be good to watch, and um, we'll hopefully end it and come back here with a trade and a five and one uh, five and one week. Oh yeah, I'm ready. And uh, you know, the next time we record, Steve, I hope we get a five and a, five and one, or dare I say six and oh, uh, zero a week for the Let's rest go. of this Set the one. Bar high. <laughs> And, and Marcus Stroman. Let's make it happen. Let's get it. One more savage week for the Yankees here. Thanks for listening. Uh, please pay attention to anything that Sam and I pay attention or do whatever you want with it. But go to GothamSN.com to read some articles. Football is literally coming back. Training camp opening up this week. We'll have some Giants and Jets recaps. Uh, follow along with some of the Gen Nation of us uh, with our MLB gambling picks every day with Blakey Locks. Plenty of stuff to follow uh, at Gotham uh, uh, on Twitter and on the website here. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you guys next week. Sam, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Steve. Toodles. Toodles.